Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you uh, to the guys for last hour. And this hour is Deep Thinker Thursday. You know it's Thursday and it's Deep Thinker. So that means John and Pam Bloom. They're here to talk about uh, how your soul might be refusing to be comforted. Huh. You think this is going to be a deep hour? I think it is. I think this is going to stir up a lot. Um, So we're going to always, as always, keep the, the text line open. If you hear something in the course of this hour that you want further discussion on or elaboration of a point that's made or what you mean by that, that's all good. Let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. And of course, you know uh, John from DesiringGod.org. He's the author and board chair and co-founder of Desiring God. And he's authored three books, Not by Sight, Things Not Seen, and Don't Follow Your Heart. And uh, Pam is uh, with us as well because they come as a team and we love them. Be right back. Have you ever found yourself wondering? I know quite a few Bible stories, but I'm not sure how it all fits together. We're partnering with our friends at Unlocking the Bible to invite you to join us for Summer in the Scriptures. Visit MyFaithRadio.com to sign up. This unique online tool will have you reading God's Word, listening to a short message, and then answering questions designed to help you know the whole story of the Bible. Find out more and sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. You've heard a talk show before, but maybe not like this. See, the question as you go this morning about worship is not whether you enjoyed it. It's whether God enjoyed it. When we hallow God's name in worship, we're not focusing on personalities or on performance. What we aspire to is the experience that God is really among us. Faith Radio. Welcome back to the show. So glad to uh, be talking to John and Pam Bloom. Today is their 32nd wedding anniversary. I think, who gets married on a Thursday? (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, that's thinking about it right, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so confused. I mean, I knew, I know you guys were odd. I know you guys were odd, but (laughs) who gets married on a Thursday? Anyway, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So what was that day like? Was it perfect weather? It was hot. Was so it, hot? it was 1988, yes. and if anybody's old enough to remember back then, that was a that was an unusually hot summer, and it started early. So okay, it was in, in the upper 80s. I vaguely remember that. I think there was like golf in April. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a hot, March. It was the hottest summer hot on summer. record up until I think recently. So yeah, an indoor outdoor wedding. It was an indoor. Okay, good. Yeah, good, good. All right, we're going to we're going to probably go deep today, like we always do when you come in, but we're going to talk about a article you wrote and how old is this article? Um, let's go back a ways. It went no, it, it went up uh 16th. The 16th. Yeah, oh, awesome. May 16th. So oh, awesome. Good. 
Not too long ago. All right. Let's uh, jump in. Uh, it has to do a little bit with Psalm 77. It, yeah, it has, it has um, everything to do with Psalm 77 because, um, you know, if it, the listeners might be aware that at least a third of the psalms are considered laments, psalms of lament. So they're psalms that are, are um, either mourning losses or they are questioning what, what's, what in the world is going on. God, why are you not stepping in and helping? Um, things like that. And uh, Psalm 77 is in a cluster of psalms by written, at least, at least um, they're attributed to a person named Asaph. So from Psalm 73, that's a famous one. That's the one where, where Asaph talks about his foot almost slipping because he's observing people who are prosperous and wicked and then those who are righteous but being finding themselves dealing with suffering and whatever, and he's questioning God. And, um, and then he resolves it at the end with, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you I desire nothing on earth. My heart and my flesh may fail, but you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So that's Psalm 73. That's the first one in the in this Asaph cluster, and it goes through Psalm 83. And most of those psalms are psalms of lament. I mean, Asaph is going through various kinds of deep difficulty. And Psalm 77, um, he's having um, a crisis of faith is what he's experiencing. And it's significant for him. I mean, he was having a, psalm, a crisis of faith in Psalm 73 as well. But this one, this one is different. And so um, it's important for us to take a look at this kind of a psalm because a lot of us go through what we would call dark nights of the soul. And those can be a number of things, um, but, but one type of dark night of the soul is when things are happening in, according to our observations that look, look like God is not acting as he says he acts. And it looks like God may not be being faithful to the promises that he makes. And so, and it can be very disorienting for us. And, uh, and many of us go through that. I have, I've been, I've gone through that and a few different times in my life where I've gone through deep questioning and, and doubts and, and things like that because of ways things appeared to me. And so, um, one of the good news, one of the things that's good about a psalm like this is that, is that God has placed a psalm like this in the Bible so that when we go through this, we have language for it, number one. And number two, we can identify, like, like okay, I'm not going crazy. I'm not the only one. This is not merely <laughs> like, a, a, like I have no faith. I've got no, you know, I'm so weak. I'm such a, I'm such a wimp. Um, it's because suffering can be exquisite and... Uh, and can be very disorienting for us. And God knows that. And so he puts a psalm like this in the Bible. Fantastic setup. I just love that. So helpful. Okay, so let's just jump, jump in to the first couple of verses, first four verses. I'm just going to read them. Um, he starts out and he says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. And in the night... My hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. And when I meditate, my spirit faints. You, speaking to God now, 
You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. And we're just going to stop there for a second. Um, Asaph is in anguish. And he's in anguish over a person. And that person is God. All right? Now, when if we had a friend come and talk to us like Asaph is talking, we might be tempted to jump in really quickly and say, you, can, shh, you can't talk like that about God. I mean, you know, like, like tr- quickly try to fix things or try to interject, you know, what the right theology is. Um, but Asaph is just pouring out his heart. <laughs> um, you know, he starts out with this, with this uh, statement of faith. I will cry, I cry aloud to God and he will hear me. Okay, so, so it's not like Asaph has no faith at all when, when he's praying. Um, but he immediately then turns it and says, I'm seeking the Lord in the night. My hand is stretched out without wearying, meaning, meaning he can't sleep. Okay, so, so, so this is Asaph in the middle of the night. He can't sleep. He is so troubled. When I remember God, I moan. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. And why? So why is Asaph so troubled? Well, he's troubled because from his perspective, it appeared like God had decided to abandon his promises to Israel. And if God doesn't keep his word, then those who trust in him are building the house of their faith on the sand, not the rock. And that's a really disturbing thought. All right. So this is in, this is the Bible now we're talking. (laughs) This is not a heretic talking. This is the Bible talking. And this is, and so, um, he is wondering what in the world is going on, and he can't sleep. Um, now, what is, what's, what's going on with him? Why is he so troubled? What's he, what's he ang- anguishing over? And I, I've already tipped my hand in terms of what I think it is, is, is that he, he's not sure that God is going to keep his promises to Israel. And the reason we know that this is probably the case is because two psalms later, Psalm 79, he describes what's going on. And it's a brutal psalm. He's describing what he's seeing. Corpses lining the street. No one's there to bury them. Animals are come, r- rushing in and eating the bodies. And these are of the Israel's, Israelites. This is happening probably because... Um, he wrote this after ba- the Babylonians had come in and sacked Jerusalem. And so the, the temple's destroyed, the walls are broken down, Jerusalem's in ruins, and there are corpses all over the place. And he's going, what in the world? What in the world is going on? And, he, and so he can't sleep. And he tells God, this is a legitimate cry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and so... Um, and he tells God, you hold my eyelids open. So, so <laughs> meaning I'm losing sleep and you're the reason. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good nice place to take a break. John and Pam Bloom are my guests. Uh, we'll take a little break and we'll be right back.
Keep let, letting this play, right? It's a very song we're talking about. It is. Yeah. All right, we're back with John and Pam Bloom talking about Psalm 77. Amazing that this is, like John, you said, in the canon of Scripture. This is a, an experience that we can identify and understand. Yeah. Rebecca, who's the person yeah. who wrote that song? That's a member of uh, Fellowship Worship, and I found that online. And he wrote that uh, out of Psalm 77 because of a uh, failed family, uh, the attempt to build a family through adoption, and everything kept falling through, and he wrote that, that song. Can you link that in the show notes? So we Absolutely. Can... It's a be- that's, that's a beautiful... Not only is he articulating the... You know, both direct quotes and also the, the uh, you know, his paraphrasing is getting the, at the right spirit. But the, the very tune that he's using is so appropriate to the, the groaning of the heart. So, yeah, that's a beautiful song. Yeah, where do we pick it up? It seems to fit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think the fact that that, that song came on... Um, and and that that songwriter is writing out of uh, the depth of their own pain. Um, he's illustrating, he's illustrating um, what, why this psalm is in here because things like that happen that we don't understand. And even if we might have broad categories of understanding, you know, like I think Asaph understood God's judgment on Israel, but it's the it's the it's the existential impact of observing horrors or experiencing disappointment that that this goes you know this doesn't i might i might have theological categories for these things but i don't have experiential categories for them i don't i don't know how to i don't know how to process this this is overriding my systems and i think that's what was happening with asaph it's overriding his his systems. And so a lot of us who have in, endured a crisis of faith know, know the experience that Asaph is describing here, even if ours might be due to other things. And, um, and so, you know, what, what's happening here is, is something happens that shakes our confidence in what God has said, and it causes us to waver over what we've understood to be true about God or his character. And this uncertainty produces anxiety and fear. That's what's coursing through Asaph when he says, I can't sleep. You hold my eyelids open. So in an in effort to quell our anxiety, our mind just becomes this incessant investigator. It's like a computer that's running through all, all, the, all the promises and all the evidences. And is this real? And what's real and what's not real? Are you true? Are you there? Are you not? And we're searching for answers. We diligently search for the answers that are going to restore our confidence. And that's why he says in the, in the night, my song is, is I, I remember my song in the night and I make a diligent search. That's what, that's, what he's, that's what he's experiencing. And anxiety like that, it robs us of sleep. Like it did for Asaph. You know, during the day, our, our normal responsibilities and activities and people require our attention and offer some distracting respite. But in the dead of night... It's just us and our troubled thoughts. And so we can lie awake in bed or we can be pacing, you know, the, our bedroom, our dark 
bedroom or our living room and either metaphorically or literally, you know, um, reaching our hands out, you know, my hand is stretched forth without wearying, Asaph says, and my soul refuses to be comforted. That I know that experience. I know that experience. And a lot of people know that experience. And is it okay to refuse to be comforted? You know, I mean, aren't we supposed to be comforted by the promises of God? Yes, right? yes. Right? Remember the promise of God, be comforted. Well, well, Asaph is saying, my soul refuses to be comforted because I can't make sense of this. Which means we go through through experiences that might take a long time for us to get over and to process. And it's okay. He, he's, I don't know how long it took Asaph, but, but, but he's written all this cluster of psalms and he's troubled, 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 troubled. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes those, those kinds of experiences happen to people and they, and they throw disruption into our lives for a long period, a longer period of time. Could be mm-hmm. months. You know, could be weeks, could be months, could be years. Um, and it just depends on the, on the nature of the, of, you know, what, what's causing us such distress. And so um, Asaph's, okay, so Asaph's example doesn't endorse every inconsolable moment we have. Sometimes that's just, there's unbelief, there's sinful kinds of unbelief. And we all battle that. But this psalm is not a clinical is not a clinic in sinful unbelief, I don't think, but in honest, anguished, spiritual wrestling. In other words, there's a difference between honest, authentic anguish expressions to God of bewilderment and pain and even frustration to some degree. There's a difference between that and essentially flipping God off um, and telling him where he can go take it. Mm-hmm. Those are two different, different states of the heart. One is saying, I, I don't understand, and you don't seem to be, you know, acting like, like you should, and I don't understand it, God. And uh, we can be very candid with God. God provides us language and examples like this where we can be candid um, without crossing the line and being um, sinfully resentful and angry at him. And so, you know, Asaph, we all know what this is like. Asaph says, when I remember God, I moan. And when I meditate, my spirit faints. And so what we really need to just, just need to let this sink in because Asaph's faith in God was shaken and it resulted in anxiety and was keeping him awake at night. And it may, and this experience made it into the canon of scripture, which means God understands that's one, one thing we can take away from a psalm like this is God understands and provides me language and a person to identify with. Which I think is an opportunity for those who don't experience a dark night or aren't in a season of intense anxiety to pause and go, if God understands, I want to learn to understand. And... As we watch our friends who are, it can look like their faith is falling apart, but to let them live in that tension that it's okay to express that and it doesn't mean unbelief, even if it looks like it, but to be discerning and slow and let God judge that. He knows how to take our our hearts and examine what's unbelief and not like there isn't unbelief there it's not it doesn't give full excuse like 
yeah, whatever you are thinking, just go with it. Like, yeah, there there is some sin in there, but it like let let it be an honest lament and for let us not to be so on guard that we're helping each other. Like there can't be any unbelief. I gotta step in, but like live with that that tension. And Pam is a good example because I, um, in our thirty two years of marriage, <laughs> um. I'm the one who tends to experience the ASAP thing, you know, more often. I've, I've experienced that more often than, than she has. And so she's walked with me in those seasons. And she has been a really good model because she's been a safe person to talk about it with and to be honest with and to be candid with. So I'm not, you know, it's not just God, but, you know, you do need some trusted people in your life, if at all possible, for, who, who are not going to just... Um, immediately correct you for all the false things you might be thinking or feeling mm-hmm. and offering you quick, you know, well, well, the, well, the Bible says this and, or, you know, I'm trying to fix the problem too quickly. You can't like, like that. There's, she didn't try to reduce you down to anything quickly. She, she doesn't, she, she's very good at listening and being patient. Um, she doesn't like, and she's, she's good to it. Gently, gently correcting where, where if there, if she feels like something is, you know, crossing the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but, she has um, been someone for whom I can express what I'm, the questions that I have and the bewilderment. And um, if you remember Job's friends, um, at one point Job just responds out of exasperation and says, why do you rebuke someone whose words are wind? And what he means by that is, I'm in such pain, okay? I'm just I'm just expressing my pain. Not everything I'm saying should you take to the, you know, like, to, as, as gospel truth in terms of what I believe. I'm just in pain. Just back off a little bit. My words are wind here. And, uh, and that's true. A lot of times in anguish is our words become wind, and we need people who are willing to sit with us and not smack us. Which is, it's tricky. Like I have not done that perfectly. I remember plenty of times I have brought scripture to you that I'm finding really helpful and encouraging. And on a normal day, you would take comfort from that. And we would have this dialogue that you'd be like, oh, that, yeah, you're right. That's really helpful. But I'm learning there are times where I need to hold back the true statement that normally I would think, well, that's going to be exactly the bit of light and truth reminder you need and go like, he doesn't need that now. All right, let me take a little break. John and Pam Bloom are, are uh, with me this hour. Deep Thinker Thursday. I had a listener just say, I've gone through many nights of spiritual anxiety, wondering if God is still there. Every single time I cried out to God, he eventually answers, and it's always what I need to hear. It's never easy, but it has strengthened my faith when those times come. Even in darkness, there is wonderful light. Amen. Be right back. by calling 877. John and Pam Bloom are my guests. We're talking about Psalm 77 and 
Does your soul ever refuse to be comforted? Have you had a, a, a night of darkness, that, that place where you're in turmoil, you can't sleep and you're confused and disturbed and your emotions are all over the map and you seem unwilling almost to be comforted and seems so odd because God is there to comfort us and yet we refuse sometimes and it's illustrated really beautifully in Psalm 77. So, all right. Okay, so um, Asaph is is wrestling with God and uh, and trying to trying to make sense of of the experience that he's having, and uh, and he's asking God some very honest, candid questions. Okay, so he says, "Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable?" <laughs> like, I mean, in other words, are, are you never gonna? Are you going to never be nice to me again, or, or like gracious <laughs> to, to your people again? Like, is this is it over? Um, and and part of that is because of the powerful experience of what he was seeing. Like like this, you look like you've just devastated Israel. Of course, they were devastated. Mm-hmm. Are you never going to ever be favorable again? And that and many of us know that feeling. Has your steadfast love forever ceased? Are your promises at an end for all time? Like, are they are they over? Now he's remember he's speaking specifically into the context of the promises made to Israel, and it looks like Israel has been destroyed, and and therefore maybe everything's like is it just over? God has God forgotten to be gracious? Right. So there's there's kind of the 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 summary phrase has gone. Have you forgotten to be gracious? I thought you were gracious. Doesn't seem like you're gracious. And have you shut up your compassion? And he's asking these questions because at the time, from his very limited vantage point, it looked like the answer was, yeah, he's forgotten to be gracious. That's what it looked like. And that's, you know, our our perceptions... Um, are very tricky things, right? I mean, we have to live by our perceptions. <laughs> like you, you look, you look at the street. You perceive a car coming. You don't go into the street, right? Like you got to trust your perceptions to some degree. But but there are many perceptions you can't trust. You can't necessarily trust. Like how how a disaster or a personal tragedy looks in the moment, because it, it can look terrible. It can look like God's judgment. Um, it can look like God has is just absolutely not keeping His promise. He's not, he's not acting in the way that He says He He would be. This is this is completely against what I thought was going to happen, and um, and it can and it looks like that. And those kind of perceptions we've got to be very careful with, especially perceptions that go counter to what God promises, because God keeps His promises, but He keeps them often over a long period of time, not necessarily short, and you don't. They don't always look like they're being kept at a, at a particular point in time. This was one of them. This was one of them. And so um, Asaph says, I will, I, I'm going to appeal to this, all right? So in other words, Asaph knows his Bible well enough. It's important that we do know the Bible. Um, he knew the covenants God had made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. He knew Israel's history. He knew, you know... He knew Abraham's sojourning. He knew the Egyptian slavery. He knew the Exodus. He knew the conquest of the of the uh, 
promised land. He knew the reign of kings. He knew the judgments that were coming. He knew the holiness and power that God had manifested in history. And so in the midst of all this disillusionment that he's experiencing, all this disorientation, all his fear, all of his anxiety, he looks backward. He looks backward at God's past grace. And he says, I appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'm going to remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old, and I will ponder all your work and meditate on your, on your mighty deeds. Now, if you read those cluster of psalms that Asaph has written from Psalm 73 to 83, he does this in almost every single psalm. Asaph goes back and he rehearses the history in order to help him remember. Now, if God was faithful to his promises in the past, and there were other times in the past where it looked like at any given time maybe he wasn't, I can trust him to be faithful in the future. Okay, so, so we, the, the, what keeps us going, right, is hope in, a, in the future. That's what keeps us going. That's how we're wired. In other words, we're, we're wired to live by faith, all right. Now, whether whether somebody believes in God or not doesn't matter. Everybody lives by faith in what they think is is going to come their way. Okay, so so you live by what whatever you think, whether you think it's a, a an official promise or not. You're living, putting your faith in what you believe is going to happen in the future based on what you, on what what something is promising it to be. That's how people live. That's how we're wired to live. We're actually all wired to live by faith. And we're wired to live by faith in future grace, grace that's going to be coming to us, right? That's that's how we live. And oftentimes, in order to do that, we've got to look backwards to past grace. How has God been faithful to me? How has God been faithful to his people? How How has God faithful through Jesus? You know, we go back and we rehearse the stories so that we... In the face of uncertainty, in the face of apparent, uh, like, disorienting perceptions, we go, God will be faithful. He will be faithful to his word. He will keep his word ultimately. That's where I'm going to put my foot down, and that's what, and that's what Asaph essentially does. And he goes back, and he, and he spends the rest of the psalm just, just remembering some of, of God's past faithfulness in history. And he doesn't wrap up. The psalm in a pretty little bow where, you know, now, now, now I'm happy and now I can go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that, okay? He, he just says, okay, I'm going to remember your past grace and here's some, here's some things I remember right now. Um, and that's what we have to do. Like that's, that's, that's how, part of how you fight your battles, you know, that, that popular worship song is on my fight my battles. Well, in the Bible, you fight your battles by, what, by encouraging faith. And what we mean by encouraging means giving yourself courage to keep going because of what God has promised, how he has been faithful in the past. I'm not going to trust how things just appear to me right now. I'm going to trust how God has acted. And based on that, I will trust what he says he's going to do ultimately for us. And so that's essentially where Asaph lands, and that's where... W- where we have to land. That's, that is how God calls us to live. We're not called to live uh, by sight. We're called to live by faith. In, and faith in what? In the promises God makes to us. Is that why like a 
a journal full of answered prayers is a good idea because you can always go back and reflect on God's faithfulness. Exactly. Even like two months ago, someone gave me a journal and in the back of it has a section, prayers and then answers. And I've I've kept prayer, prayer journals, but never one quite like that. And already in 2020, there are things that we prayed for that looked really daunting and they didn't turn out as horrible as um, we might have played out a scenario. And it actually, there was a lot of grace and amazing help in that circumstance. And it was, I believe it was an answer to prayer. And I wrote that and I'm, I'm going to go back all year to that. Like that thing I dreaded didn't turn out the way I thought it would. <laughs> That's so smart, Pam. That's so smart. And it's a testimony. Like, it and is. then we repeat that to each other. Like, I don't know how your situation is going to turn out, but it's with God. It's not as as dreadful, and let like let's keep track of those. And I something when you were talking, John, I was remembering something you said in one of these dark times. You said, "I I know too much about God to abandon Him." Is is that how you said it? Like it, it was in a dark time where there's lots of evidence that looks like God's not who He says He is, and He's not coming through. But you said, however, you could even say it with tears and with a feeling oppressed and with a heaviness, but I know too much about God. I, I've, I've experienced him. Yeah. And I can't and, and forget Peterson that. And Peterson has a song called I've Seen Too Much from his, his, his recent yeah. album. And, um, and he, he's, he's voicing Thomas from into the disciple Thomas in there, but he's using it. I've seen too much. I've seen too much. And, um, like I, yeah, I, I've, there are moments when that has been what has held me. Like I've, I've this, you know, what I'm experiencing and what I'm seeing, what I think I'm seeing, what I'm perceiving looks so disorienting to me. And so like, I don't get it. God, are you really there? And I have to call to mind the th- times when that I can't get away from, you know, I can't get away from them. Um, I've seen too much. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's that, that, and I think Asaph would say the same thing. Like, like, have you have you forgotten to be gracious? Are, are, is, is your favor completely over? Well, I've seen too much, not only in my own experience, but I've seen too much in the history. Like, like you, this isn't you, and I can't just trust what I see. I'm going to remember, and I'm going to trust that. Another text came in. I'm so encouraged that I'm not the only one who battles these dark times of doubt. You're not. Whoever wrote yeah. that, you're, you're not. I have been through, and... And, you know, I mean, still do um, experience certain uh, battles with doubt. Like some of us are, you know, I don't know to what degree, but, you know, constitutionally <laughs> given to doubt more than others, you know, like uh, can be the part of the way we're wired mm-hmm. and part of the way we're conditioned. Absolutely. You know? And, and uh, other, and we, so we can struggle more than others might with certain kinds of questions or, or whatever. And uh, a lot of people deal with it. And you, you don't, it doesn't like, it's just a common experience. 
it's so common. The Bible is full of people who wrestled with God because living by faith is a very difficult thing at times. It just is, is like we're, we're called to trust things that we're out of control with and don't look like they're going to happen. And, and no wonder we doubt. I mean, it's not, it's not surprising. <laughs> it's not surprising that we, that we doubt and, and to wrestle with it is not sinful. Um, and that, and God has given us plenty of fodder in the scriptures so that we have people to identify with and we've got Psalms and we've got books, you know, that, that address issues of, of doubt and uncertainty and futility, like the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, so that, so that we can, we, we understand that God understands. <laughs> God understands what the human experience is like and uh, helps us. Yeah. I can't wait to go home tonight and read Psalm 73 through 83. Got me all fired up. <laughs> this is just wonderful. If you have a comment or question, you can certainly let us know. 877-933-2484. If you're in that dark place and your soul is not being comforted, we'd certainly be happy to pray for you and just let us know how we can do that. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. one of those anguished, sleep-deprived nights, and there doesn't seem to be an answer, and you have a, found yourself having a hard time being comforted. So you've come right to Psalm 77. You are in good company. John and Pam Bloom are my guests, and we are talking about that very thing. Yeah. In one of the breaks, um, Rebecca mentioned um, that it's hard, you know, different people are experiencing, you know, maybe tragedies or griefs in different ways. So maybe a loved one dies or, or there's a, or a, or a child dies. And for instance, using that as a, as an example, and, you know, everybody knows, okay, there's a period of grieving, but then, you know, you, you gotta go on, you know, life goes on, you gotta move on. And um, not everybody moves along at the same pace. Sometimes Amen. grief lasts a long time. And what do we do? How do we know? How do we know how to walk with somebody? And and Pam mentioned like she you know like during some of my own dark nights where she hasn't always gotten it right. Well, that's not because it's her fault. Like, well, come on, Pam. <laughs> you know, let's let's uh, let's strengthen your EQ here a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, you should know these things. Well, she doesn't. The reason is because she doesn't know whether today I've got f- more faith or less faith or I'm going to like, like, um, you know, she's not inside my head and isn't reading my, my thoughts. She doesn't know what she's really good at is, is if like, if I respond kind of like, you know, like, yeah, that's not helpful right now or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very good at responding to that with, 
you know, like giving me space. And not, and sometimes she, she'll like sometimes she she knows when to give me space. Other times she knows when to kind of keep pressing. You know, like. And what I, what I was going to say to you, Rebecca, and and to our listeners, if you're walking with somebody who's going through this, whether it's a deep grief or or it's they're tr- they've got some form of trauma in their in their past or present, and and they're saying these these things, and how do you know? Well, you don't. The thing is, we don't always know, because this is not a science. How do you respond to somebody who's dealing with grief or or a dark night of the soul? It's a martial art that you have to grow in. You have to learn, like you, it's learning the discernment and responses, and when 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 should you press a little bit? When should you just back off and comfort, and just listen? Um, but if you're willing to lean in and love somebody who's in that position, um, that's the call. It's not to get it right all the time, and sometimes you might be right, and they and they think you're wrong. <laughs> you know, like God will have to make those calls at the end of time, but. But staying with them and, and loving them is, is important and, and not being quick to try to fix it all and wrap it up in a bow. I have a question, a comment from a listener. I so appreciate Mr. Bloom's perspective. It seems like he's articulated so many things that I have felt and thought about as a Christian struggling with my doubts. Uh, family and friends have told me that I need to just take God at his word and trust him. There are times when I do not do this well, but I have a hard time reconciling the discrepancy between what I know I should do and what I feel. My faith claims don't always feel real, and it seems like I should know it is in me, like something I can tangibly pinpoint. Any advice for someone like me, who needs to press on, but is hard for me to grasp onto anything along the way. Well, I think I understand what they're describing. Um, There's, there are kinds of doubts that are hard to even articulate um, because, because they, like, you, you can't quite capture them in one summary. You, you, you might be seeing kind of a, a panoramic vision of something, and it isn't just this, and it's not just this, it's not just this, but you can't quite put it all into some sort of coherent whole. It's just like, this doesn't, I don't get this, God. And I don't know what to do with this. Um, and there's a pattern that I see, and I don't know how to, how to reconcile it. Now, I, I'm like. These these kinds of experiences, the, the, this is what makes being human difficult, and it's what makes the life of faith difficult, because um, we are called to trust, put our trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And in, and in some places in our soul, um, we might need some help to examine if there's things feeding into us because of past experiences or pain or whatever that that's kind of bleeding into it that that makes it hard to trust that that may not be even directly connected to the to the intellectual thing that we're struggling over but might be bleeding into it because of of something that has happened to us so there there's all sorts of reasons like um there isn't just one principle that I can offer to this listener to say well here's how you handled that it just de- it depends and it and so talking with with a, a wise 
um, friend, maybe a counselor or maybe a pastor in who you feel is safe, that kind of, uh, and to, to bear some of these things and, and see if they if they can draw out some of those deeper waters that are feeding the reasons why things aren't sticking, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not easy to, to always put your finger on what yeah. those are. So maybe you're looking for emotional confirmation, but you're just not getting it. So what would be the difference between faith and feelings? Because it, clearly I think this listener has faith, yet these feelings creep in that say, is this, is this real? Do I have this? Yeah. I mean, and, and feelings are being fueled by, by something. It's being fueled by some, some perception or some underlying belief or, or, or just some response, some emotional response that might be coming from who knows what. It could be a childhood thing or it could be, you know, uh, a compromised relationship in the past. Or, or th- there's, like, we are really, really complex beings. And I would just say, you know, the, you know the, the, the most simple thing that the Bible provides is the Bible provides all sorts of promises and we need to, to press into them and, and, you know, in prayer and, and like journaling, like sometimes, sometimes you, you just don't think clearly until you write something out. And so there might be something if you just spend some time drawing out what in the world is going on inside here or somebody else needs to draw it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, apart from being able to sit down and talk with the person, um, there isn't necessarily a quick and easy fix to those things. Um, but my guess is something is fueling uh, um, a distrust. And uh, and it would just, we just need somebody to help draw them out. You know, as you were describing in a, and listening to his story, in it, just this picture of uh, a mountain climber. I'm not a mountain climber. I don't have the strength or the skill or the equipment, but I watch... I've watched some of them, and if you're going up a mountain, then it's the kind that even comes back at you. Like, it it looks smooth, Hmm. and it looks like it's, like, how do you climb something that's so vertical and almost, is it concave, coming back at you? It's leaning out. Yeah, like, how how do you climb that? It looks daunting. But if we even ask God, like, would you equip me to do what looks like impossible with all my feelings and my thoughts? equip me for every step and just thinking like I've even the classic hinds feet in high places like God give me those kind of feet that find a crevice and my feet stick to that and then there's some leverage like where is that little bit of truth if we stay in the word stay in fellowship like God would you as I'm reading and nothing seems to be sticking highlight some truth and give me a gift of faith that I can, like, I think I can barely believe that and I can stand on that today. And then give me the strength of like faith muscles to, and hope that I can reach another place that's a, and, and then to know I'm not, it's not even dependent on my strength to hold you. You have all the ropes and the harnesses around me and you're boosting me and cheering me on and strengthening me and I will make it to the top. Your promises stand. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes God allows us to live with a kind of weakness, you know, a a kind of limp, a kind of weakness 
that produces an overcompens what we might think of as an overcompensation in another area, but it, but really it it ends up producing something that's helpful to other people. So we live with a pain, we live with a confusion, we might live with depression, we might live with a kind of a doubt, and it but it but that ends up agitating us in ways that make us think and 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 even draw out aspects of biblical wisdom that others wouldn't see. Um, so there's no quick and easy answer. You know, like sometimes we'll, we will live like like uh, Psalm 88, written by Haman, um, who who from all his descriptions lived with a chronic kind of deep depression that led him to a point of despair, and 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 he doesn't resolve it at all in the psalm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there in the Bible. I know. I love that. And it and it means that 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 God knows and and will. And we'll, you know, like provide even a two-watt light bulb um, for some who are dealing with with ongoing darkness. Mm-hmm. I want to take my closing 30 seconds to not only thank you, but again, wish you a happy anniversary. Thank you. So you're 1988. Were you in a, a tux or a I suit was. or dockers? I was, I was, <laughs> I was in a tux. Okay. Yeah. Formal suit. And it was 1988. What color was it? Gray. Gray. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, Pam, and you were stunning. Peach bride. She was. She was oh, amazing. That wraps up our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great night, everyone, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.